Hello, and welcome to the Infertility Podcast. I'm Candice. And I'm Daniel. Grab a biscuit, because we've got the tea on all things infertility. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe. This will help others to find our podcast. If you're looking for support, you can visit www.theinfertility.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date, you can follow me on Instagram at Operation Baby Bump. We're back. Woo! Guess who's back, 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 back again, again, again. Shady's back. Back, back. To the friend. Friend, friend, friend. I, like that I don't know. Um, yeah, we're back. Welcome to season two. I know it's been a little bit of a hiatus. People have been sliding into my DMs. Where are you? When's the next episode coming out? When was the last episode? Like three people slid was into my DMs. Was it three? <laughs> huh. No, it was more than three, but... Was it around April that we stopped? Yeah, it was April. So we had a nice little break. We had just moved into our new place, so we were trying to get settled and everything, and things were a little bit cray-cray. I do want to provide a trigger warning right now. Um, Add a sound effect there. Trigger warning. Because we're going to talk about something pregnancy-related for just a second. Um, so the reason we took a little break, and if you follow me on Instagram, you already know this, but we are getting a new dog. (laughs) Uh, we're getting a human. A human dog? What? Yeah, we're expecting a little baby. A little baby. Yes. Finally, after all of the years and the struggles and the trials and the heartbreak, we have finally... We're, we're here. I've knocked her up, haven't I? We're, we're doing it. We're totally doing it. Yeah. So, um, this podcast is still going to be all about infertility. We're not going to be talking about the pregnancy on the podcast just because that's not the audience that we are trying to reach here. Um, I personally, if I was going through infertility, I wouldn't listen to a podcast that was like, oh, oh, I'm so pregnant. Oh, this and that. Oh, I've got such bad acid indigestion. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think you guys care about that. Um, someday you will. Yeah. And, um... We had always planned to do a pregnancy after infertility episode, but I think um, the Big Fat Negative podcast had a really great idea about making that a bonus episode. And if you are pregnant after infertility, that episode will be coming soon. And in the meantime, you can go listen to the Big Fat Negatives episode. I can't even talk. But yeah, so we're... So excited. We are expecting a little girl in November. 
Well, it's yeah, a girl. It's a girl. Oh my gosh, I had I no idea. Yeah. You know, in the interest of sharing our lives with you, we we want to share that we're pregnant, but we're not going to be using our platform here to harp on about... Shove it down your throat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because when you're going through infertility, it does feel like people are shoving it down your throat, even when they're not trying to. Mm-hmm. It really does feel that way. And... I will always know what it feels like to be infertile and be hurt by those things. And I simply do not want our listeners to ever feel, you know, like, ugh, I've I got to turn this off or i got to yeah, turn it gotta down. got to fast forward this bit. Yeah, so that's just not something that we're going to be talking about here. Um, Let's be clear. No one really cares about anyone else's kids. Let's just be frank. <laughs> All right? So Some people do, but we don't. <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? I will say that I will be sharing some pregnancy things on my Instagram. So if you care and you really are interested, you can follow me on Instagram. And again, on that Instagram. Is op- Operation Baby Bump. Yeah. At Operation Baby Bump. And again on Instagram, I'm still dealing with a lot of people who are still waiting for their miracle. So I always like put a warning or a sensitive, um, you know, I always use a cover photo before I post anything about it. So that it's just not like people are scrolling through and whoa, it's a, it's a baby bump. Anyway, so let's get back to the episode. I think that this is a really great episode one for season two, just because we are pregnant now, and... This is about the Manchester United season upcoming, isn't it? Episode one of season two? Is that what we're talking about? No? I wish y'all could see my face. (laughs) I really do. Anyways, uh, disregard. Strike that from the record, please. But if there is any husbands out there or ladies who like football, tell me if you want a Daniel Van Wade podcast just about sports. I'm relatively sure the answer is no. So let's continue. As I was saying, this is a really great episode one because I would like to talk about reproductive immunology. Now... As you know, and if you've been listening, and if you, I mean, if this is your first episode ever, then you don't know. (laughs) As you know. Go back and listen. (laughs) We've been through hell on earth. We have been through so many fertility treatments that never worked for us. We had an RE who was not interested in trying new things. He wanted to do things his way, you know, by his own book. And we ended up switching to another RE within the same clinic. But she was a little bit more open-minded. And in several of the WTF appointments that we had, I asked a couple of times, what about natural killer cells? What about immune issues? What, what about, about endometriosis? Yeah, what about endometriosis? Of course, I was ignored every time. And that's frustrating because when you are friends with a lot of people, 
on Instagram and you see what everybody else is going through and you see that, oh, this person did an immune protocol and it finally worked for them, you start to question, you know, all the failures that you've had and all the times that everything failed and time was wasted and you start asking your doctor about this, well, my doctors didn't really know anything about reproductive immunology. And so every question that I would ask, it would always just be like, well, you know, that's kind of junk science or... What was he actually, what was it he said? There was a phrase that he said whenever you brought something to the table and... He would always hogs, say hogwash. 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 Yeah, everything was hogwash. And it just, it kind of shows the level of arrogance that you're dealing with when you have a practitioner who is not willing to listen to you and I'm not an idiot I'm an educated person and I think even if I wasn't educated I'm surrounded by so many people who have had so many different protocols and I've learned and I think we all you know learn so much from each other and each other's journeys that I feel like we are all (laughs) really smart we're experts not only that is I think, to a degree, you guys read and see as many cases as a doctor does in a day, right? You, you see know, these variables. And... Yeah, it is. That's that's a good point. So finally, after our fifth failed transfer, I said, you know, screw this. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. We're going straight to get immunology testing done. And I know that you were really hesitant to do that because... And, and I was too, which is why I hadn't suggested it before, because it kind of felt like starting over, didn't it? Um, you know, and that probably, it did, but that wasn't the reason I was hesitant. Money. <laughs> Money. Money was why and, I was hesitant. And then not fully understanding what it is. Yeah. If you have a doctor that is supposedly as good as our IVF doctor was, you trust everything they do and they say, and you... You kind of put that trust in the fact that they've covered every base. And they you don't need to go anywhere else, right? You shouldn't have to. Right. So I think the fact that we were spending, what, three grand at the beginning to go to yeah. um, our doctor in New York. Yeah. And then travel costs, then, you know, it, all, it just built up. So there, were, there was a couple of hesitancies, and believe it or not, starting again wasn't one of them. That was fine, as long as it got us to where we needed to go. And I always, when I would see people getting treatment in other states or abroad even, I would just think, oh my God, how do they do that? How do they travel to their clinic for, you know, monitoring appointments and make Mm -hmm. that travel every time? Because I know personally, we live five minutes from our (laughs) clinic. That's probably... An over-exaggeration. We live probably three minutes away. Yeah, we probably live three minutes, well, now, at our new place, which is funny because we don't need them anymore. But... (laughs) Man, I just thought we're so close. I know, we're so close. And I just, every single time I've had to go in for blood work or, oh, come back in two days and we'll check your eggs or this, that, and the other. I mean, I have been at that place a hundred times. So, you're right, it is a little daunting saying... I can't, I can't have a doctor in New York. New like, York City. I can't, we can't afford that. You know, we can't do that. Tell you what, it was pretty cool though, wasn't it? To be like, oh yeah, I'm going to see my doctor in New York. 
pretty cool. I do, I do have a YouTube video if you're interested in hearing a little bit more about our testing that we had done. We both had, well, I had like 30 some odd vials of blood taken and Daniel had about seven to nine. Yeah, something like that. A couple semen analyses. Which is a lot for me when it comes to blood. Yeah. I'm terrified of getting my blood drawn. It was really funny and I I might use this as the cover episode. Yeah. Or the cover Cover for the episode. episode, But we had a phlebotomist come to our house, which makes us sound really like hoity-toity. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, it, it's, it was only because no labs in the area were willing to draw that much blood. And they didn't really know what to do with it. Yeah. So we had a phlebotomist come over and Daniel's sitting on our couch like, he's like, oh, oh, can I, can I lie down for this? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I took a picture of him because he was just... Best blood work I've ever had done. Yeah. She killed it. She was good. (laughs) Like, I know, obviously, I didn't have as many as you, but she was quick, wasn't she, to get all of your blood. Yeah, she was good. But anyhow, we had a lot of blood work done. It got sent back to the doctor in New York. He interpreted it. And that was really our... I still, at that point, didn't really know what reproductive immunology was. I knew that he was going to look at my blood work and try to glean information about my um, immune system and things like that. But I didn't really know much beyond that. And honestly, I didn't really care because I had a friend who used him and she ended up having silent endometriosis no symptoms of it whatsoever, but after, I believe she had three implantation failures with IVF, and after she had the testing done, he suspected she had endometriosis, she had a laparoscopy, she had stage three endometriosis, okay. which and was kind of... up to four, right? Right, so which was kind of shocking because um, she had never had any symptoms of it, so then she gets pregnant. The next transfer Straight that away. she does. Yeah. So, Crazy. Um, that was enough for me. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the reproductive immunology, we wouldn't be pregnant right now. We'd still be wasting we our We would embryos. still be going round and round in circles. Yeah. I mean, who knows what would have happened. I just can't even think about it. Like, would we have lost the remaining three embryos that we have? And then would we be so broke that we couldn't do more IVF and we couldn't adopt? Like I just, and and you know, some people get to that point and it makes me so sad that people who really want to start a family and are having trouble doing so have to basically go broke doing it. Mm -hmm. And then you throw all this money at fertility treatments to try to have your own biological child. And then some people are left with nothing and then they can't even adopt because they can't even afford it. And so it's just a tragedy all around. That's the scary thing. I I know what we would have done. We would have um, been through three more transfers. Like Lifetime yeah, well, movie style. Yeah, we'll get onto that. That's episode two. <laughs> um, no, we um, would have gone through our three embryos. They wouldn't have stuck. Right. 
And they then wouldn't. because we've just changed for my insurance plan to this new awesome oh, infertili- yeah. infertility yeah. benefit, chances are we would have gone through it again and we would have wasted more embryos. Yeah, and more money because we would have yeah. still had to spend money. But, you know, all of that aside, I want to tell you guys a little bit about reproductive immunology. Like I said, if you want to learn a little bit more about what we went through with reproductive immunology, um, I have a YouTube video. If you look up Operation Baby Bump on YouTube, my ugly mug will pop up and then you can watch. (laughs) Your mug isn't ugly. (laughs) Okay, so really in order to tell you about reproductive immunology, I need to tell you about my reproductive immunologist and his practice. And I'm going to tell you about Dr. Jeffrey Braverman. May he rest in peace. R.I.P. Dr. Jeffrey Braverman. Um, he actually passed away in April, which hit me like a ton of bricks. Because honestly, I knew he would had been in and out of the office. And I knew that he was on leave and... His mother had passed away, I believe, in November, and so I knew that he was out for that. And I, I thought his assistant had passed away or something. It was his mother. Was it really? Dang and it. so I just, I guess the whole time I just thought that he was out because of that, you know, yeah. like family things and everything with the nurses and everything. It was so hush hush. So when I, someone literally. DM'd me and was like, is it true that Dr. Braverman passed away? And I was like, what? And so I immediately went into my Dr. Braverman Facebook group and it it was true. I just could not believe it. So I want to tell you about the man himself because this man is brilliant, was brilliant, still is brilliant, still is brilliant, left a legacy that is going to be incredibly hard to fulfill. So Dr. Braverman was accepted to NYU at the age of 14, and he was their youngest graduate ever. He went on to attend medical school at Mount Sinai Medical Center in Manhattan, and he completed his internship and residency at Albert Einstein School of Medicine in New York. Can we just be clear? He graduated. He he got into... NYU at 14. Yeah, at, at 14. 14 years old. I remember going to school one day with my underwear on backwards. <laughs> at 14, while I was covered in acne and had a really yeah. bad haircut freshman year yeah. of high school. Dude, I was at so... At that age? Oh, man, I was so dumb I cannot, at 14. I cannot imagine being that smart that you get into NYU. I can't even get into NYU right now, probably. No, you could, but 14... 14. Yeah. After completing his residency, he established a private medical practice. And for more than 25 years, Dr. Braverman has been treating patients with all complications related to recurrent pregnancy loss and has become one of the nation's leading authorities in the field of reproductive immunology. And by the way, all of this is coming from their website. I think they just said it way better than I could have. He has managed thousands of cycles of IUI and IVF with a large majority of his patients suffering from recurrent pregnancy loss. Shout out to me. Yeah, for real. 
He has consistently maintained one of the highest success rates despite the complexity of his caseload. And that just, if you think about it, is amazing. Mm -hmm. I read something when we were, when I was kind of looking into him, I read something on his website that said something to the effect of, it said, women who have had five or more miscarriages have an 80% success rate with my practice. And I was like, that is a bold statement, if you think about it. That is a really bold statement. (laughs) Really, the only reason why the success rate was so high at our fertility at our fertility clinic is just because those cases were not complex. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not losing sleep over the five out of a hundred people that they don't get pregnant. They're just taking their money, trying the same things over and over again, and they're maintaining really high success rates. Yeah, because they can hide them in a a different percentage rather than their failure rate. Exactly. So the fact that Dr. Braverman has been, you know, getting women pregnant despite how complex their immune issues are. And I mean, I'm in this Dr. Braverman Facebook group and there are so many complex women in there. I feel so, honestly, I feel blessed to have had an issue that was fixable. You know, something that they could find and fix. Yeah. And some of these women just have so many issues, one on top of the other. And once you fix this and this and this and this, it's like, you know, plugging water holes and another one just pops out. So it's bloody just, annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it just speaks to his brilliance that he was able to help so many women. He has also been featured with his recurrent pregnancy loss autoimmune patients on the Discovery Channel's Baby Story, local TV news stations, and has hosted numerous radio shows on reproductive immunology and fertility. He's assisted and consulted with patients from around the world with problems related to recurrent pregnancy loss. He has designed the most complete panel for the diagnosis and management of immune-related pregnancy complications, as well as one of the most comprehensive thrombophilia panels available. And this is true because this is what we had done. That was incredibly detailed. So we had all of that blood work done because he was looking at my genes, Mm -hmm. my natural killer cells, my immune system... I mean, he could tell things from my genes, like I was predisposed to um, be pre-diabetic. That was Um, insane. On the call, I remember him saying, this gene could lead to early onset diabetes, and then he just dropped out of nowhere. He also said, like, this gene predisposes you to Hashimoto's, you don't have it, but you're, you're, you know, just brilliant and again most of our our phone call with him is in that youtube video and it's just really interesting that the he, line the line when he says um you've got the genetic markers for endometriosis yeah was crazy he's yeah. never looked inside you he's never and just to know that yeah. from blood was incredible i plan to do a follow-up endometriosis episode this season because I get so many messages from people who just want more information, and I really want to talk more about endometriosis. We did an episode last season on it, if you want to go listen to that. 
but you know we know that there aren't many ways to tell if people have endometriosis you can't find it on an ultrasound although i will say there are some really good machines that can pick it up if you have it bad enough for me we actually saw it. Dr. Um, Vidali, he yeah. was wiggling the wand, wasn't he? And there was this bit of skin just kind of flapping It in was the like a, yeah, it was, it was just kind of floating in, like just a, and he was like, oh, that looks like a, um, what did he say? I can't remember what he called An it. A- adhesion or legion yeah. or whatever he called not, it. Not a legion, that sounds bad. <laughs> no, legion. It, it basically looked like, um. How do, how do you describe it? Like it, it moss did, in a yeah, in a pond, it just kind did. of floating. But we had never seen such a clear picture no. of my lady bits before. I mean, my clinic, my fertility clinic, has machines from what looks like the 1940s. I mean, yeah, if they were yeah. even available back then. But they're so old, they're horrible. Yeah, they're all grainy, so they would have never seen it. If you had really mild endometriosis, it probably wouldn't be picked up on an ultrasound. But the fact that Dr. Braverman designed this panel of blood work, he didn't say you have it. Okay. He didn't say you have endometriosis. He said, I suspect that you have it. Mm -hmm. And he can suspect because of the amazingly detailed information that he can get from that panel that he designed. You know, people aren't doing this. Nobody's doing this no. for people. And no. it's it's just, un- like, it's amazing what he did. I mean, he spent so many years dedicated to trying to help women and figure this out. He actually said during the call that you are the most commonly missed patient. He said, it, you know, Daniel said, it's nice to hear that we're common. And he said, you are common and you're you're what's most commonly missed yeah. by fertility clinics. and You didn't need IVF. I didn't. It was he, like said he said that, that didn't he? He, he said that. Said... And Dr. Vidali, my surgeon, also said that. So to hear someone say, oh, you didn't need to spend 60 grand. <laughs> and you're just like, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm sorry, can you excuse me a moment? <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Oh my gosh. I mean, we could be living in a beach house with a tiki hut I'd be and getting, five kids by now. Yeah, and I'd be getting massages on the reg. Yeah. Like on the rotational. Right. I'd I have just... so many sleeve tattoos. <laughs> you know, you could drive yourself crazy thinking what we would have done with all that money that we've spent. You just kind of have to look forward and look towards the future and be excited about the things that are ahead sure i'd swap everything we've gone through for our little baby girl that's coming yeah in all honesty but many of dr braverman's patients from around the country um actually learned about him in numerous immunology and fertility tra- chat rooms on the internet i will testify that this is how i found him I never knew what reproductive immunology was, so I never knew. Yeah, I never knew to Google yeah. that. Our RE certainly never told us about it, and I learned about it from a good friend on Instagram. Shout out to Heather. Shout out Heather, you are our most favorite person. <laughs> Thank you. For real, because she actually encouraged me 
two separate times. Hey, you should really, you know, go see my doctor in New York, blah, 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 blah. And she actually lives in North Carolina. And so I was like, oh, she's, she's so fancy. You know, she's got a doctor in New York and <laughs> I'm just a little old South Carolina girl. And Well, hi, you <laughs> want to get pregnant, I eh? So the first time she mentioned him to me, I was like, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks for the info. And then we got to a point and she mentioned him again. And I was like, okay, that's it. We're going to see him. So I can definitely attest to the fact that he's grown his practice through word of mouth and success stories. That's definitely how we found him. Yeah. So I just wanted to provide that information backstory to Dr. Braverman kind of before I move forward. Rest in peace, Dr. Braverman. R.I.P. Thank you. Fly high, angel. So what is reproductive immunology? It is a field of medicine that studies the interaction or absence of them between the immune system and components related to the reproductive system, such as maternal immune tolerance towards the fetus, or immunological... <laughs> I'm glad you've stumbled because my ear just started really itching, so I was going to make some noise. Or immunological interactions across the blood testis barrier. Now, if you think about it, this seems kind of like common sense, right? Yeah. Our bodies are made up of multiple organs, so... At least three. If you think about basic reproductive endocrinology, you've got the pituitary gland in the brain, and that's sending signals down to your uterus saying, hey, turn on the estrogen, hey, turn on the progesterone, and... If you think about the fact that our body works together with other organs, it only makes sense that our immune system, that kind of is like, I would say, a blanket Mm -hmm. for our well-being and our wellness, should probably affect things going on in our reproductive system, right? Yeah. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah, but you just, that's the thing, isn't it? You, you've never, you would never have heard of a reproductive immunologist, right? Because it's not something that's advertised. It's not something that's pushed around. Well, and this practice is common in working with patients with unexplained infertility and recurrent pregnancy loss. Mm. And I think that's because nobody else has been able to help those people. Mm-hmm. We don't know why you can't get pregnant. Yeah. Oh, we don't know why you can't stay pregnant. Yeah. It's like, how long are you going to go on doing the same things over and over again and having failure after failure? So this is like the, the, I knew it was the last resort for us. And for some women, it's going to become more of an option. I think as time goes on, I was out of here. If this didn't work, I was going back to England. I'm sure you could find someone to provide you with a child there. There are so many things that have to go right to get pregnant. Your pH, your temperature, the timing, blah, blah, blah. You know, when you get pregnant, there are so many things that have to go right to stay pregnant. The environment that the embryo develops in is actually in our body. Mm -hmm. So um, we have a liver doing its thing. We've got the stomach doing its thing. The heart's pumping blood, you know, trying to get the blood flow to the uterus so that the lining gets nice and thick. And I've said for so long, I wondered if the other things 
in my body were affecting my fertility. And I asked those questions. So many times. So many times. You know, is my pH off? Like, could it be something that stupid? You know, am I just like <laughs> washing with the wrong thing in my vag and it's throwing off my pH? You whoa, know whoa, what whoa, I'm whoa, whoa, whoa. This is PG-13. Well, do you, no, it is not. I'm this joking. podcast is not PG-13. You can't say vag on the I radio. I can say vag. And, you know, like, what if it was that stupid? I remember... um it's funny you mentioned pH. I was at work once and I heard these two ladies that had a couple of kids talking about one of their friends who had just um, recently was trying and hadn't had a child. And they, and they said, you know what? She's too acidic. I think her pH level is off. And I was Stupid. hearing this. I know. I'd never heard anything like it. They're just like sitting it. there talking about crap they don't know about. Right. But do you remember me texting you and yeah. saying, Candice, could it be that you're too acidic? <laughs> He's like, maybe your body's too acidic. And yeah. I was like, shut up. It was so funny to me because I was like, Daniel, how did you just get suckered into this snake oil of an <laughs> idea? Because you're sitting around listening to, listening to a couple of mouth breathers. Yeah, for real. <laughs> mouth breathers. <laughs> so, you know, taking this new approach was so important because we've tr- we had tried everything else. And, you know, this might be something you consider if you've tried everything else. I knew it was our last shot, so... And, you know, a lot of clinics just poo-poo on the practice of reproductive immunology because it is not yet fully understood. I would say both in general and by scientists, general practitioners, reproductive endocrinologists, etc. Our immune systems are really complex, so I can see how this might be an intimidating task to try and piece out all the moving parts of, in yeah. an effort to see how the immune system actually can affect pregnancy loss. Also, when things are difficult to understand, it can lead to skepticism. I think that when you study, you get your bachelor's, pre-med, mm-hmm. then you go to med school, then you do your fellowship and your residency and this and that. You're reading papers, you're doing CEs, and you're doing you're writing papers on your field, which is reproductive endocrinology. And so you're not thinking outside of the box. And especially for doctors like in my clinic... Mm-hmm. They're so used to getting people pregnant. Why would they need to think about things like this? Yeah. And again, I I say they're not losing sleep over the five women out of a hundred that they're not getting pregnant. They're just sending them out the door going, well, we we tried everything. You know, you've been here for years. We've tried everything. And as long as people will pay them to keep trying, they'll just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, send them out for a second opinion. Get rid of them. Get them off your books. That was certainly something when we changed to our second Ari that they she was very quick. She was quick to say that. Yeah, like because she saw she saw how it was going. Yeah. And that's why even though she doesn't believe that endometriosis causes infertility, which I think is uh, to me That's hogwash. I can't believe Uh, people still believe that. But even though she thinks that I respect her because she was like look you know we did one transfer with her and that was our fifth one and she was like look I totally support you guys going to get a a second opinion she's like we've done all the testing for you we've 
we've really done all we can do here. Mm -hmm. She could have just kept doing the same thing like the other guy did. Yeah. But she didn't. So I respect her for that. I, I, yeah. I don't know. You're a nice person to me in that sense. But for me, you know, question one is, what, are you going to pay for it? You fancy paying for that? Thank (laughs) you. And then the second thing is, you know, when there's, you have the ability to look deeper than below the surface as they did because let's face it they just they really scratch the surface of what is out there um listen to things like endometriosis being an issue because that was our bloody issue and all they needed to do was look into it and And i asked for a laparoscopy i said can we just do one can we can i just have one i mean I was asking for surgery. I was like, can we, can I just have a lap to see if it's there? Like, I know we can't figure out if I have it other than that, but can we just do like an exploratory? And she's like, I mean, even if you had it, removing it's not the answer. And I'm just like, that's, I, I, I'm speechless. I'm speechless that, that a doctor would say. let's just leave the endometriosis there and let's just continue trying to put embryos in that aren't going to implant because you have endometriosis and it's not allowing your lining to thicken up and it's changing the hormones. Like, (sighs) I'm sorry, I just get really worked up. Your cheeks are actually red right now. (laughs) And, And, you know, part of the skepticism of practitioners comes from and i assume this is because that these practices are largely experimental and not 100 percent evidence-based um some of the stuff i mean i've read a lot of papers about reproductive immunology but there still isn't that much out there and to do experiments in science they must be replicable you must be able to generalize them to the population in which you're talking about. So I'm not so sure that people even want to replicate some of these studies. And and I understand because I've had scientific training and that's just how it is in experimental research. So, but however, listen, if something works and you see that it works... I mean, that's kind of evidence in itself, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's okay to add one-on-one together and get two, right? Not everything has to be that complicated in addition to that. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I seriously think that when we look at something from the standpoint of, oh, she's struggling to get pregnant and what we're trying is not working. Right. Let's look at other factors. Anything. Yeah. And see if that's the issue. And you can really start to narrow down that list of what the issue can be. And that's what's so great about reproductive immunology is because they look at those, you know, the simple things, those those low hanging fruits, all right? So they're not an issue. Let's let's dig deeper and see what it is. And when you eventually find out what it is, you, you have such a high percentage that that's the issue that their doctors can have the confidence to say, You didn't need IVF, surgery's done now. You'll be pregnant in six months. Yeah. And everything was experimental at one point. I mean, reproductive endocrinology was experimental at one point. IVF was experimental at one point. 
So you can't disregard things that are up and coming and they are making a difference in people's lives and say, oh, well, that's not evidence-based. It's experimental, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. We're in 2019. If you're not being open-minded and thinking outside of the box for your patients in this day and age... That is arrogance. Then what are you even doing? Yeah. You know, are you a doctor to make a difference in people's lives? Or are you a doctor to do what's easy? Yeah. Because cash. Right, exactly. Because it is easy to keep getting the same type of women pregnant. Oh, you have PCOS. I can fix that. I know how to fix that. Oh, you have male factor infertility and you have low motility. So I know how to fix that. We'll, we'll just do IVF. Mm-hmm. And there are things that are really easy to figure out. But when you have unexplained infertility, you know, these people are, things are getting drug out for years. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't figure it out. I've heard so many women have unexplained infertility and they had endometriosis the whole time. Like myself. I hate that statement so Um, much. Unexplained infertility. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. There's no such thing as unexplained infertility. But, you know, God bless Dr. Braverman for doing the hard work. Because that's what he did. He did the hard work. He did the dirty work. Yeah. That nobody else wants to do. And today, across the world, there are still a handful of reproductive immunologists. So there's barely anyone who really does it. Mm -hmm. I know of someone, I believe, that sees someone in Chicago. I don't know about abroad in other parts of the world. I don't know. And I really don't know of anybody else. It's a rarity. I think in 10 years, we'll be seeing more of it. Mm-hmm. And more and more clinics will probably be open to it. Just think of the money they could make if they referred people to reproductive immunologists and got a kickback for that. Yeah. It will be like mm-hmm. a finder's fee or something. So I don't know why people aren't. And, and do it out of the goodness of your heart, for God's sake. Sorry, you might need to repeat that for the uh, listeners because you went so high-pitched then. Only dolphins <laughs> could understand you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just get so worked up about this stuff. I can't help it. So there's a man. Um, he's actually an OB at UNC Chapel Hill, the University of North Carolina. Um, he His name is Dr. Stephen Young. And he said in one of um, his papers that the immune system dysfunction has been identified as a likely contributor to endometriosis, infertility, recurrent pregnancy loss, preeclampsia, and preterm labor. And that's refreshing to hear because he's an OB. Mm-hmm. And my OB actually believes that endometriosis causes infertility. And she's amazing and she's like-minded and she said I've been fighting with them you know she's talking about our fertility clinic because she referred us to our fertility Mm -hmm. clinic and she said I've been fighting with them about that for years they just like they won't listen it's that arrogance again it is so I really hope that this information helps you I know we just kind of scratched the surface on reproductive immunology Um, and I tried to best explain it the way I knew how to do that. There's so much more information out there, but in the interest of keeping this podcast short, (laughs) 
it's not really short. But keeping it short enough that it, you know, keeps your interest and you're not too bored. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us um, at thevanwades um, at gmail.com. You can also slide into my DMs on Instagram. That's how people usually find me. I'd be happy to talk to you more about this and my protocol when um, we did find out that I was pregnant. They wanted to get me on some specific drugs to help me stay pregnant. Yeah, so if you have any questions at all, I hope you liked this episode. I hope you liked this episode. I hope it helps you. Thank you for listening. I'm Candace. And I'm Daniel. Good night. Good night. Night night. Bye. Bye. Bye.